Yeah, dude, this is Steve-O, and you're listening to Dr. Brady Smith on the Drilled Podcast. This is Dr. Brady. Welcome back to another episode of The Drilled with Dr. Brady Podcast, uh, starring Dr. Brady. And uh, we got a fantastic guest today. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Dr. Lauren Becker, all the way from the country of Manhattan. Um, What's it like today in Manhattan? It is cold today in Manhattan. You know you're my second guest in a row from Manhattan. Last week I had um, Dr. Miro on. And... uh, uh, so we got a whole, uh, a whole, a whole bunch of talking about the weather over there. You guys deal with such cold weather over there in Manhattan. Yeah, we're, we're getting, getting pretty, pretty bad cold. And we had a, uh, a snow squall. Do you know what that is? I know what snow is. Yes. A squall <laughs> sounds like a little flurry of some sort. Well, it is certainly not a little flurry. Oh, it it's, is it's like, larger than a flurry. It is like somebody opened a gigantic Ziploc bag full of snow and dumped it all at the same time <laughs> all in 10 minutes <laughs> but luckily you can get like anything you want delivered to your door right at any time of day at any time of day Jeez, yes that's so I, cool i think i told you about the uh 20 pack of dorito tacos <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna tell that story that's a really good one thank you for reminding me about that okay so listen i met dr i met dr becker at, uh, at a conference called Dental Influencers Alliance, uh, DIA. It was in Scottsdale a couple weeks ago. And we met there, and we had a wonderful evening uh, discussing all, cor- all sorts of different things. Uh, it was a wild, wild time. Uh, how wh- how do you feel about DIA? So I had a, I had a great time. Yeah. Um, I went in with really no expectations. I had never been to, you know, a dental conference that wasn't your typical white haired man dominated kind of, you know, boring. Well, not boring because you go to these conferences voluntarily, but um, it's run by the the next generation of dentists. And I think they did a good job. I think I, you know, went there to fool around more than I went to learn. And I think I did an equal part of both. Um, (laughs) I definitely learned more than I expected to and um, met really awesome people um, that come from completely different backgrounds and still, you know, connected with. Yeah. Um, It was great. Yeah. See, DIA was a cool conference. See, I've never gone to any conferences, so I don't have much to compare it to, but I had a ton of fun. And um, I feel like now if I go to other conferences, I'm going to be like, where's the gangster rap music that is supposed to be uh, playing during the breaks and intermissions? Because that's what I'm used to, and that's what I need. And and do the napkins have buttonholes? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, hey, listeners, I got a question for you guys. You guys ever seen a napkin that has a buttonhole designed... (laughs) To thread into the button of your of your uh, 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 of your 
uh, shirt, right? I think I don't know what the point of I think it might have just been decorative. So that the 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 napkin hangs off your shirt. Well, I thought it was supposed to hang off your pants because napkins go on laps. <laughs> so I hooked the napkin hole to the button on my pants, <laughs> and I was I was ridiculed with uh, with no mercy because of that. Jeez. Um, okay, so DIA recap, super awesome. Are you going to go next year? Are you I about really, it? I I definitely want to go. Um, scheduling wise, I have a wedding in Atlanta a month before, mm-hmm. and it's also the first night of Hanukkah. Um, and the mom, I don't know if my mom guilt is going to like overcome. I need to get away from my family and party for three nights. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay, well, I'm but not. Sure. We'll I'm, I'm up in the air too. To be to be honest, Atlanta's kind well, of far. If you're not going. I'm not going. There you go. <laughs> it's far away from me. Atlanta. It's a long flight. I don't know if I. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, one of the fun stories you told me, uh, well, one of the speakers was John Coyce, which was super awesome. And, yes. and I remember the night before we had talked about John Coyce because you had told me you had, um, while intoxicated, <laughs> signed up for <laughs> his course in Seattle, which is coming up for you, right? True story. Yeah. So, um, but, but I we don't feel no drunken remorse over that decision. No, after seeing him speak, yeah. no, no junk and remorse at all. But you know what? When you're going to pay the kind of dollars that it costs to go to his course, it's kind of better to be intoxicated while doing it because it takes the pain away a little Num- bit. Numbs that <laughs> just a little bit, right? That's hilarious. But, I'm kind of jealous. Know, I'm kind of jealous of you being able to go go to that course. That's going to be fun. I'm going to talk to you about that when you're done. I want I want to know about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. I'm going with a bunch of people who are at DIA that I met. Oh, um, cool! When I was there, I'm, um, so that'll be fun. But that um, was just happenstance, right? Like they didn't like sign up. Like they must have already been signed up, right? Um, yes. You just met people yes. who were like, "Hey, I'm going there. I'll be there too." You're like, "Sweet party!" Well, the reason I drunkenly signed up because I saw Brian Baliwas mm-hmm. signed up, and he's like, "Who wants to come?" And I was like, uh, "I'll go," and I signed up. And yeah. I guess he he's a real influencer. He's, um, he's a clear, cool dude. Clearly, clearly, very cool dude, except I'm all Jordans, you know, not about the, the Yeezys. Oh, is he, does, um, he, does he rock Yeezys? He rocks Yeezys, yeah. It's funny. I was just talking to my wife today about <laughs> this guy in our neighborhood who got divorced. And now he's like 50, he's 50 years old and he's now he wears Yeezys all over the place and, and got this young, young girlfriend and... And everyone makes fun of him, and he thinks he's cool, but no one thinks he's cool at all because he's too I old. Hope he's not, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I doubt it. Um, but uh, it's funny. We were just talking about that, and I was like, hey, do you think it'd be cool if I wore Yeezys? And my, my wife was like, no, you would look ridiculous. Don't wear Yeezys. I, I mean, I'm not, ag- I'm not against Yeezys. I'm just like a, a ride-or-die Nike girl. Um, yeah, I like Nike, too. And the the quarter, uh, the uh corporate headquarters is in my neighborhood right so. we, we talked about this because you yes. had your peacock sneakers on i did I have like, my peacock and sneakers my nike yeah. pegasus sneakers. yeah i had uh i had my my leopard jordans on that's right um, that's right that's right yeah absolutely so you know but so anyway i thought for sure point. i was gonna see colin kaepernick at the headquarters and he was not there <laughs> i was very disappointed yeah i thought he, I thought I he like works there now i don't <laughs> I think they just pay him to be in their ads. You yeah. know? Somebody's got to pay him to do something. Okay, it let's doesn't... talk. Let's talk dental stuff. What? How long have you been out of school, Doctor? So I graduated from NYU in t- 2010. My mm-hmm. my tenure reunion is coming up in March, which is oh. 
petrifying because I don't know what where the last ten years went, but <laughs> they went somewhere. The okay. Okay. Slime on my face are showing it. Um, but you know, um, I've been in private practice. I did a year of, of residency in New York. That's a requirement. Yes. Um, so we did it. I did a general practice residency at North Shore in Manhasset, which is a very uh, well-respected program. And then I went directly into private practice for one of my attendings for five years. Um, we had a, a bad breakup, but you know, mm. most most relationships don't don't end in nice breakups. So it was a partnership that you and another person owned together. Uh, no. I was an associate for five years, okay. and um, it was kind of like he didn't give me any patience. He let me essentially use his space and use his staff and use his materials, and we split things percentage-wise based on who brought the patient in. But most of the patients mm. were from me. Um, oh. And okay. uh, he got, speaking of getting divorced and having young girlfriends, he had an affair um, got Yikes. divorced and, um, his, his, his new girlfriend worked at a dermatologist office, okay. um, which clearly qualified her to be a consultant in the dental field. And she came in to help him fix the office uh, um, okay. that everybody in the office was stealing from him and he fired us all. Oh, um, wow. so it was, it was, it was a really crappy time. That sounds um, like a wonderful learning experience. I will. I, 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 I joke that if I were to lecture, I would give lectures to kids like fresh out of school yeah. about what, what mistakes not to make because I have made every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there's a lot to there's a lot to make out there. There's definitely a lot. And, of, so, and, so what's interesting about New York? What you mentioned is that New York requires a residency for everybody who works in New York. Yeah. Right? So, um, does that mean like? What if I moved to New York? Like a year of private practice in a different state qualifies. Or, I I don't like. What if you I went to New I Jersey think... for a year, and worked there, like Connecticut or something like that, and you worked there for a year, and then you came back? Do you, would you still have to do a residency? Like, would I have um, to do a residency there? I don't think so, but you'd have to take the north the boards. Yeah, sure. The Northeast regional boards. I didn't take the boards. Yeah. Um, because if you do a residency, um in New York, then you don't have to take the boards. And if you want to practice out of New York after five years, you get reciprocity. So, wait, wait, you don't have to take like the live patient boards. Correct. Oh, that's awesome. Most people did anyway, but I was like, I'm doing a residency anyway. And I get yeah. reciprocity anywhere else after five years. And if I have to move out of New York, it's going to be because I'm making my, my husband gets a job that he's making so much money that I don't have to work. Right. Right. So. That's really interesting because I think um, I think the uh, for those listening, dentists have to take. OK, so when the dentist is done with four years of schooling and they've learned everything that the curriculum has to offer, their entire license depends on cutting two fillings, uh, cleaning some teeth and uh, doing a root canal. At least mine was doing a root canal on an extracted tooth in a block like in a stone block. And if I didn't pass that, I didn't get a dental license, even though I completed four years of an accredited program. I don't know if you're get, picking up what I'm putting down, but I, I think dental boards are kind of a scam, and I don't understand why they even exist. How do you feel about that? 
Well, I clearly I agree because I didn't even take them. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I would um, love an option to not take them. I don't think anyone should yeah, take them. It just wasn't worth it. I mean, even and then in the Florida, like I mean, talk about a scam. Like the Florida ones, they have this course which ironically is called Becker, um, mm. and you pay these guys like ten grand, and they find every patient for you, and they make sure the patient shows up, and if yeah. you pay these guys the ten thousand dollars, you magically pass the boards, unless you like drill on the wrong tooth, you're gonna pass the boards, you know. Yeah, no, it's a, there is some frightening racket-like schemes that uh, are a little concerning. What would be cool is that if you could pass that, like, if you can pass, I think, like, in lots of states, if you can pass the bar, you become a lawyer. Like, like, I wish that was the way, like, like, yeah, like, (laughs) exactly right. So, I wish that you could just go uh, learn how to cut a couple class two fillings. And just skip the four years of dental school and be like, I can do this. No problem. Give me a license. You'd basically be in the same position fresh out of dental school because a majority of your learning is done, you know, through experience. Unfortunately, um, nobody teaches you how to do a lot of the practice stuff that's really required to do. So um, I wanted to talk to you today about shortcomings of dental school. This is something I've been thinking Uh a lot about. And, um, especially, um, most of the time of the year that my dental school likes to hit me up with some, uh, mail about how I should give them some money. And then I throw that oh. mail away. Cause I say, I, 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 I gave you like $300,000 when I didn't have any money. That's right. And now, and now I'm still paying for it. I'll be paying for it till 2022. So. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a really funny bit by John Mulaney, who's one of my favorite stand-up comics, uh, about paying student um, debt off or paying, donating to the colleges who are asking you money when you already gave them all your money. Uh, it's really <laughs> funny. You should check that out. I will. Uh, um, dental. So, okay. So here's a question I like to ask a lot of dentists when they come on. Uh, what percentage of your curriculum do you feel could have just been erased? Like literally, like if you didn't go to school that day, you'd be just fine. Like, like how, what percentage of the curriculum is actually vital and crucial to that dental license? I mean, 20. Yeah. See, that's what I'm thinking. I get, I get some answers like, like, uh, um, like 60, 70. And so I'm, I'm like, I think it's more slight. I, I think it's more weighted towards there's so much that you just don't need to understand as a general dentist. Well, so, so here, like, I understand it from like, like a standardization procedure, like, so you, you went to U of P? Yeah. Yeah. University of Pacific in San Francisco. So, um, like for me, I had to take biochem, physics and all of that just to get into dental school. Mm -hmm. There was no reason that I needed to learn the Krebs cycle for the 14th time. I was a cell and molecular biology major. I probably learned the Krebs cycle in 14 of my classes in under in undergrad and then again in dental school. Like, right. And guess what? I don't remember it. Right. Like, I still don't. You know what I know about the Krebs cycle? Nothing. I know nothing about the Krebs cycle. And it doesn't matter. I'm There's... still just, just, a, just as good of a dentist. Oh, right. Absolutely. And as far so as I, like... The nerves you need to know, and the muscles you need to know, and the anatomy. You need, there's like a few that you got to know a little bit. Right, the about. head and neck. Yes. Yep. Like uh-huh. I, I understand the reasoning behind that, and like if you're going to be, you know, an, uh, a, ma- a maxillofacial surgeon, and you're going to be doing craniotomies and like crazy 
stuff right. like that, then sure, yes. Like for us, our, the majority of our nerve situations are in here. Right. So like, you know, you could do one semester of anatomy and just do head and neck and be completely fine. I knew that we'd agree on this. I knew we would. Yeah. Um, I think, and I've had very few dentists that argue with me on this is, um, I think there could be some kind okay. So I got a buddy of mine in my area. Um, good friend of mine lives close to me and he's a family law lawyer. And he just told me, we were chatting, um, a while back and he said that Washington state now allows like an apprenticeship to take the place of law school. So someone can work in the confines of a law office under the supervision of a lawyer. Um, uh, and then within a shorter period of time, like 18 months, two years, they can take the bar and now they're a lawyer without with bypassing, bypassing uh, law school altogether. Right. Now, one of the problems that we face, one of the shortcomings for all this like 20%, no one says 100%. I've never heard that. Right. I've heard some 70s, 75. So there's still like, even generalist, generously speaking, there's probably 25% of the curriculum that you just don't even need to learn. Just completely irrelevant yes. and useless. So that's like a full year of your four years, basically. Yeah. Okay? And in a lot of places, that's a hundred grand. That's $100,000 yeah. in money for that one year. Uh, yeah. And that might just be just your tuition. UOP, I, last I heard, UOP is at $98,000 a year. I think NYU is up there too, I, right? It, I, it was 99 a couple of years ago, so I'm sure it's more. It was 78 when I went 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, mine so. was 75 when I went too. But UOP, yeah. for those who don't know, UOP is the only three-year university in the nation. Uh, they're all, all the other ones are four. And people always ask me why. Like, do you go to school constantly? And I was like, we go to school like Monday through Friday, eight to five, basically eight to four, something like that with a lunch break. And it, it didn't seem excessive to me, which also makes me believe why don't other dental schools do that? And I think the answer has got to be money. It's that hundred grand. It's that, it's that extra it, hundred thousand. money. Do you know at NYU, your, your grade is based on how much money you earn for the clinic? No. Yeah. They called it PMV, practice model value, oh. but somehow... <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Incidentally, every PMV point was equal to the dollar amount that the procedure cost and earned for the clinic. So if you oh, earned, you know, if, if your PMV was, you know, whatever, I can't even remember because I've had too much alcohol since then. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that reminds but that me is. of, uh, that reminds me of those like family fun centers. You know, those family fun centers you go in, there's like arcades and you buy love those. and you get tickets and then you save yeah. up your tickets. Um, because the tickets become currency to buy the crap behind the glass. Yeah. You know, like the little like toys yeah. and it's like a five cent toy, but you had to spend $3 in tickets in, on games to get the tickets to buy that dumb toy. And exactly. so they, they create this fake currency that just keeps them rolling in the money, right? They, you give them the yep. dollars and they're going to give you tickets. And now you use tickets. Um, Wait, I mean, NYU is so crazy. Yeah. Like I used to get an email from that. My loan was dispersed and NYU would hold the loan money for all, let's say 1200 students in the building yeah. and all getting $78,000 and they'd hold it for two weeks, collect interest on it and then disperse it to us. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's crazy. It, it is. It is a money grubbing, 
gross institution where I swore the, the day I graduated that I would never, ever go back. And then I went back and did a two-year implant fellowship uh, <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And gave them gave them more money. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Um, that one paid for itself, so it's okay. <laughs> Im- yeah, implants are different. I think implants you're gonna you're gonna learn some skills that you can actually utilize. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, we fast forward. Okay, I'm gonna come back to a couple things here, but I wanted to go into um, the dental school shortcomings. Okay. So one of the problems is. Uh, kids are coming out now with, uh, it's just record debt, just record. I mean, you hear, I hear half a million. I hear 600, I've heard 600,000. There's a story. Um, I think it was Associated Press that was talking about an orthodontist who graduated from his ortho residency, $1 million in debt just from his academic career. So undergrad dental school, ortho residency, million bucks. And it's just... You can't pay it back. It's crippling. Yeah. And they, and that's the thing. Even an orthodontist is, especially starting out, like, you're just not going to be able to do it. It's just crazy. No. No. Um, so when I talk about, like, an apprenticeship, that's the only thing I think of that the profession could try to do to bypass the dental schools. And I don't know... I what... mean, technically, I, I would assume that that was originally the intent of, like, a clinic, right? Yeah. Yeah. But... But money and greed, you know, play a part, and and then it thus, you know, they all got smarter and figured out what they could do to to, right. to earn a few bucks. Yeah. What would you if if a law got passed in New York State, um, stating that now instead of going to dental school, you could do two years under the tutelage of a accredited dentist, and you pass certain, you know, mile markers. Would you be opposed to that, or would that be like a program you'd want to learn some more information about, but not necessarily opposed to? I mean, I don't think it can fully take the place of dental school. Okay. Um, but I, I definitely think, you know, experience in private practice, like I would say maybe do it like instead of six months in a classroom do six months in, you know, in an apprenticeship. I don't think it's ever going to reach the point of, you know, not having to, to go to school or, or having something take the place of like, as in law, because, you know, not that we're all doing, not that we're saving lives, but it is still, you know, medical performing medical procedures, which can be dangerous if not done correctly. Yeah. See, I would, I would uh, open the floodgates and let everybody come in and, and, <laughs> and put the dental schools out of business. That's, that's what I would do, 100%. I, I, I would be happy to, to, to have, <laughs> uh, have a, uh, an apprentice. Um, I would make them dress like uh, Mickey Mouse in um, Fantasia, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, especially with online stuff right now, you could... I mean, you could really test their knowledge in a lot of different ways. That doesn't that, do, that doesn't cost them a hundred thousand dollars a year, um, and still get them learning the information they need to learn without all right. those crazy expenses. Well, I mean, NYU Medical School just made it free for all kids, all, all students. Um, oh, that's they won't right. Have to, they won't have to pay, and I'm like, why can't the dental school get that kind of funding? That's like, yeah. Why can't they? Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure they can. But why would they? Oh, I want to do more research on that. That's really interesting to me. A lot of it is donor funded. Okay. But that's that's also the difference. Doctors, 
used to not, not again, not as much anymore because of changes in healthcare. Um, but doctors used to be able to make millions of dollars a year. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we don't have, or I don't have that earning potential. Yeah. Well, Manhattan, Manhattan is a very different place too. Right. And, um, I can tell you, uh, there's not a lot of dentists. Um, I should say it like this. If a dentist is a solo, like just chair side income, they're not coming close to a million dollars. I mean, the amount of right. work you have to do, you'd have to do at least $2 million in in work, right. uh, assuming you're running a 50% overhead, which would be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, uh, but most dentists run over, the overhead of a dental practice is usually 65 to 70% yes. uh, based on ADA statistics. What's interesting is that uh, Gavin Newsom who is uh, the governor of California, he Mm -hmm. just uh, put into law a program that only forgave the debt of about 30 dentists who participated, but they have to agree to see basically state insurance for a certain amount of time. And there were some percentages in there. There wasn't a lot lot that was clear, but the state of California just spent like $30 $30 million, I think it was $30 million, and they forgave the debt of 10 students, I think. So 10, or 10 dentists, and they, they um, allowed up to $300,000 of debt forgiveness in, in exchange for basically kind of an indentured servitude, which those kind of programs exist too. The Army is kind of like that. Military yes. is kind of like that right yes. now. Um, and, okay, so what's your advice for someone? Someone comes to you. Let's say it's a relative of some sort, someone that you consider close, and they're like, "Lauren, I'm thinking about being a dentist. What do you do? You like where you where you are? Is that something I should pursue, or, or should I pursue so, it differently? What's your advice to me if if you're looking out for me and trying to and trying to help me in I, my life? I I love what I do. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else except for maybe being um, a newscast, a news broadcaster. Oh wow! <laughs> <Or> maybe, <laughs> Like if, you know, or maybe like a a football coach, like I I, I certainly could not have like a job where you sit at a desk and look at a computer all day. It's just not for me. Um, But, you know, it's just I I make a lot of money, but I pay a lot of it to the government. And and that it it is so painful to watch that amount of money post-tax dollars come out of your bank account every month. And then not get any tax benefit for it because I make, you know, it's a catch 22. I make too much money, so I can't get a a deduction for my student loans and I can't get forgiveness because I make too much money. So pay all this money back um, after taxes, but then get no benefit for it whatsoever. And it's, and, and the way, and the way the student loan system is designed in and of itself, I didn't know anything about student loans. I did whatever my student loan company told me. So I was paying the minimum, like whatever the, the minimum yeah. that was like three grand a month. And I was like, how is this the minimum? But I was just paying it. And when I started to be like, I can't do this. This is crazy. Like I need to get rid of these loans. And I called the student loan company and they were like, well, out of the $3,030 you're paying, 3,019 of it is going to interest uh, and 18 is going to the principal. And I'm like, you, I, <laughs> I was like, you have to be kidding me. I was pissed. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This should be illegal. 
it, it literally is criminal. It should, it should be. It, and that's the other thing. Lots of these kids, these, these are kids. Yeah. So, so, the, so also for the listeners who don't understand, the loans that dentists get are usually federally guaranteed, meaning the federal government is going to, is involved in like giving everybody all the money that they need. So it means there's no reason for the dental schools not to raise the fee because the government pays it. And the students, literally, it's like monopoly money. They don't understand what $500,000 in debt means. They don't understand what taxes mean. You don't understand, like, your first year, you might write a check to the IRS for $75,000. And you're like, that's what they get for, for what I, you know, what I did? And so it's really easy. Like, even a dentist who makes, let's say, a quarter million dollars a year, that is dentist might live like someone who makes $60,000 a year. And, and people don't understand that. So because of the taxes and the loans and all the things and the, and, the, and the financial commitments that students have to get involved with, and no one is coaching them correctly. The people who are coaching them are, it's almost predatory, I think. Because, it, it is. Yeah. It is. And, and, and I was like, well, you know, why didn't anybody tell me this? I'm, I'm paying... You know, my interest rates are like, what, 3%? They're low. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. So I was, I called my accountant and I'm like, Nick, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, we, I thought you knew. I'm like, well, I didn't know. So yeah. I had to raise it up $1,500 a month just so I could, you know, slam them down. But it's, that's, that's a crippling amount of money. I mean, it's essentially almost pre-tax dollars, like $10,000 a month, Right. what I'm paying in student loans. Yeah. And I will be paying it for 12 more years. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I could refinance with a bank and pay the same amount that I'm paying. Like the bank essentially buys my loan. But then if there's, if I die, it's like a real loan. Yeah. So if I die, my, my family gets stuck with that debt. Or if, you know, uh, like, um, if Bernie Sanders becomes president and says no more student loans, I'm screwed because I refinance with the bank. Right. So I'm at this like, what, what do I do? You know, I'm 10 years, 10 years into paying it the wrong way. So, you right. know, now I'm doing something about it, but it's like, you know, so those are the things you should learn in, in dental school. Yeah. It should be a one year, one year of a business education, mm -hmm. how to run a practice or, or even subspecialty, right? Like, my practice is is a fee for service practice in Manhattan, and yours is an insurance based practice yeah. where you live, and both very both very different and and have to be run run very differently. So if you should be exposed to all different modalities, how DSO works, how this you know how everything works, and know before you go into it, or or there should be a course that says don't ever sign a restrictive covenant, and that's the whole course. Don't ever sign a restrictive covenant. Yeah. You know, I, these are things that are not taught in dental school, and they're not—they're—they're—they're they're, they're lessons you learn the hard way. For those who listen who don't know, talk about talk to us about a, a restrictive covenant. So, a restrictive covenant is something that people make you sign, employ, employers make you sign, mm -hmm. um, that doesn't allow you to practice um, in an area surrounding the, your location, so that there's no unhealthy competition if you are to leave. In office. Right. So my first job, I didn't know. I was straight out of residency. It was psyched to have a, a, a job in a fancy Park Avenue office. Yeah. And I signed a restrictive covenant that was 20 blocks um, in either direction. 
and essentially puts me in the East River and the Hudson River. So I'm like, okay, so I could practice, you know, no, essentially nowhere in Manhattan. Yeah. And they're, they're not really enforceable, um, supposedly. Yeah. But do you want to be the person who pays the lawyer and goes to court and take that chance? It could still I, be annoying for sure. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and if you try to fight it and, and for whatever reason, it goes to court, you get a stay on your license and you can't practice at all. Yeah. Yeah. These are the things. Yeah. No one ever taught that in dental school. That's, and that's my gosh, that is, that's actually information that could save you years of headaches and heartaches and financial strain by just knowing what that even is. Um, so what I tell youngsters who come to me and ask me about a future in dentistry and I don't, I probably started changing my tune, oh, three years ago. I say military because they pay for it. And so then you got to go, you got to go work for the military, but that's your residency too. And you're going to get a lot of exposure to a lot of dentistry working for it. And I think it may not be for everybody, but. I'm a Jappy girl from Long Island. Like, I, as nice as it would be to not pay that money, yeah. I wasn't going to the Army. Like, maybe a, <laughs> maybe a reservation in Alaska. You know, right. I'm, a, I'm, a lib, I'm a liberal Jappy girl well, from Long Island. I'm going to tell you then, don't go to dental school because you're going to be half a million yes. dollars in debt. Yeah. So I'm going to say, find a different way. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you ask a dental student or a prospective dental student, okay, why do you want to be a dentist? Well... I'm artsy or I like the artist. I like people. I want to help people. Yeah. But it's like, well, okay, no, the answer needs to be, I want to make 300 grand a year. Right. Okay. What else can you do making three? If that's what you, I mean, cause you got to be realistic and have enough self-awareness to say, I really want to make this kind of money. And this is a way that I can do it with some certainty. Right. Um, but I think you should, ascertain are there other ways you can make that same amount of money because i think there are a lot of yeah, ways you can make go into sales. you can yeah. make dentist money and not be a dentist yeah i think so. there's some dental salesmen uh some dental sales people that are killing it yeah. making more than the dentist that they help out for sure yeah my my implant rep just bought and gutted a three million dollar house in the hamptons in addition to the five bedroom apartment she has in manhattan now I'm, I don't know. I'm not saying it's all coming from from her, but yeah. you know, I, I'm in a rental. <laughs> yeah, see, I have a I have a big problem with that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't want my sales reps making more money than me. I don't know if that sounds weird, but I don't think that that's uh, that makes me feel like I need a different sales rep. I don't know. Yeah, that's strange. But um, okay. Um, speaking of uh, fake money, uh, we had a conversation about um, Bitcoin uh, while we were at DIA, <laughs> and you were like, "What's Bitcoin?" And I was like, oh, let me tell you all about Bitcoin. And then we talked about um, one of the pioneers in cryptocurrency who is John McAfee. And you had, text, and you had texted me. Uh, well, you had said, well, I gotta, there's a uh, Netflix documentary that's amazing about John McAfee and how crazy this guy is. And this is the guy who uh, made a name for himself in cybersecurity, right? Uh, McAfee, like a uh, cybersecurity uh, antivirus software that like, every single company in the world was using, and this guy became a multi-multi-millionaire. Um, 
and uh, but also he's kind of crazy, and he's also run for president. Uh, and and via, again, uh, yeah, is he running still? Is he running for this? Yeah. Is he running for the Inquirer, the Inquirer broke his uh, announcement. <laughs> <laughs> I know 2016 he he ran and was actually at a debate uh, with the Libertarian um, Party uh, with Gary Johnson, and there was one other guy running in the Libertarian Party, and John McAfee was one of them. But you had mentioned that you wanted to watch that um, a documentary, and you said that you had. And what do you think now? So, um, what were your takeaways from I the am, John McAfee? Not- my mind is like I, I was not expecting any of that in the first it's so five crazy. seconds of the documentary when he's arrested and he has wads of cash in his pocket and he says, uh, "You should probably call the FBI. I'm wanted for murder in Belize. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they're looking for me. <laughs> you never heard of me." <laughs> craziest thing in the entire world i mean just goes to show you what what being crazy rich does to your mind and he's still i didn't and 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 it's gotten crazier it's like weird because i had never heard of him before then i downloaded the movie i'd never heard of him before period followed him on twitter because you told me to and that morning he tweeted about zach there's a movie coming out about him with zach efron yes which very excited gonna about, be great I, it's gonna we'll be see great. together <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right and then we're gonna facetime in the movie theater and watch it together yes Perfect. then i watched the, then i watched a documentary and i was like oh my god his sexual habits are of the most bizarre i've ever heard in my entire life i mean and I'm like, yeah it, he's all his habits are <laughs> amplified um a hundred times i mean everything he does is just and, crazy and it's it's like he comes back to America. He's literally wanted for murder. Belize is so poor they can't do DNA testing. They have evidence. Just send it somewhere else. Yeah. Like 23andMe could do it for you. That's right. <laughs> it's crazy. That's right. right? And, and Belize is so poor they don't care. Or he's, you know, he's paid off the police. I don't know. And now he's just like here in America, living large and running for president when he's wanted for murder in Belize. And he was also crazily involved with Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, I didn't know that. That's not in the documentary, yeah. but that it's makes a lot. But that makes watching, a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, watching, uh, he seems like it? the type of bedfellow that would uh, be on yeah. an Epstein flight to his little crazy um, island. Vice has a new series, and there was the first one was about Jeffrey Epstein and the investigation into it. And John McAfee then came out in in in, in that documentary. I'm like, this man. I never heard anything about him, and all of a sudden, in the last two weeks, he's like all over my life, and I can't stop. It's like I can't get enough. It's of fascinating. Him. He's a fascinating life. And he has one of the best Twitters. I really like following him on Twitter because he just says the craziest stuff and he's uh he's very paranoid and everything's everyone's out to get him and he's he's uh well, anyway. And he was a champion, an early pioneer of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as a way to kind of uh, circumvent the authority that banks and governments have over the world. So that makes him very interesting too. And he made of all the, so he lost a lot of his cybersecurity money and got back a lot of his money from cryptocurrency, from investing in cryptocurrency early, early on. And then Bitcoin uh, has blown up since. And if you invested in 2012 and you still have Bitcoin, then then you're probably a millionaire or more. So he, he, um, he tweeted the other day that he's no longer doing interviews with the mainstream media 
that he's only going to do podcasts. So you should reach out and see if you oh, can get him as a guest. I will do that immediately. I would. I wonder if he needs any dental work. I imagine that he does. <laughs> he's pretty pretty bad veneers. Well, he's he's out. lived under under uh, uh, you know. Um, as kind of a refugee from country to country, whatever country wants him for the next crime he commits. Uh, so, you know, maybe his dental habits aren't where they should be. And I could maybe yeah. help him out with that in exchange for a podcast episode. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll reach out to him on Twitter, see if he responds to me. Okay. <laughs> last thing, future of dentistry. What are your main, what's your biggest concern? What are you, what are you, is there something you're most excited about? And then is there something you're most concerned about? So, I mean, the big fear, it's not as much in a city like New York where, you know, people still want custom tailored care, but yeah. there's a lot of corporate money in dentistry um, and patients become dollar signs, not people. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my biggest concern is, is the infiltration of, of corporate dentistry and, the you know, taking away from, from my kind of of practice yeah. um, and it's inevitable to happen um, and you know when somebody comes knocking at my door offering 40, 40 times EBITDA I'll probably give it to them <laughs> but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's my baby you know it, it, my, my practice is my baby I, I've, these patients have been with me from the beginning they followed me to multiple yeah. office locations and now that I'm finally the owner and on my own it's like you know I don't I, I don't want anything to you know to to diminish or belittle that, but it's hard. These these corporate offices, like the guys from Warby Parker, like mm-hmm. just to receive money at um, a new a new pl- a new place in New York called Tend, um, and and it's beautiful and it's ground level, which is like forty thousand dollars a month in New York City. Like it's yeah. you can't, afford it. um, but the corporate money can. But you know, so that that kind of stuff feels threatening. Um, and why are patients going towards that model? Do you think? I mean, why? What's the enticement? Why are they successful? So I'm not entirely sure that they will be completely successful. Patients, most patients go to wherever they will have to pay the least amount of money. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, I try to custom tailor that experience um, so that, you know, I can kind of change their perception of what the dental experience should be like and understand that they're paying for, you know, for, for the care and the value. And for my knowledge and expertise, they're not being treated like a dollar sign. And I think some patients care about that. And some patients don't, I happen to live in a city that's big enough that it, you know, the patients that don't care about it can go somewhere else. Um, definitely. But, you know, I, I, I don't know that they'll be successful. Um, I don't know. It depends on how that it's, it depends on the patient experience. I think you get big companies like, Aspen Dental is one that I've looked at a lot, and Aspen Dental has a face has a Facebook group called Stop Aspen Dental, and there's like twelve thousand members, and people are posting every day about their terrible experiences, and it's kind of crazy. Right in the crappy dentistry, because there has to be compromise somewhere to cut the numbers to inch, inch acceptable insurance standards, right? So, so where's the sacrifice happening? And they hire kids straight out of school who don't have the experience, you know, or don't really know what they're doing. And that's where they're getting their dental education. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing is that another, this is the problem for dental students coming out of dental school is that they're, they're in so much debt and they're so, um, I mean, this is all the, the environment we're in is just so ripe 
for so many bad things to occur because these kids need a job. Yep. And if you're in your private practice, you're trying to make ends meet. Maybe you don't have room for an associate. You can't take someone right out of school and you need them to know how to work. You can't train right. someone. I don't trust them. Exactly. But Aspen Dental, they'll take you, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll work, they'll work with you. Now I also take new grads in, uh, and I'll, I'll train them. Um, and I'm kind of somewhere between a DSO and a private practice. So I work for mm-hmm. a franchise company, but I own and operate my own franchise, which is a, right. a very different type of situation. And it's kind of a marriage between that corporate corporate world and the private world. But, um, uh, but these kids coming out of school, there's just not many places where they can get a job. Just speaking honestly, yeah. they got, they got to work somewhere and they'll go begrudgingly to places yeah. they don't want to work at because they don't really have an option. Every year, 6,000 more dentists are going to enter the enter the, the workforce. 6,000 every single year are graduating from dental schools. And it's just, you got to find places to put them all. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Oh, Because if they don't work, they, I mean, their their debt is crushing. It's crushing. It's just it's right. a very difficult situation. Or, right. It's not like it was 40 years ago where you come out of school, you take out a loan and build a practice. You, yeah. you, can't, you can't do that. Yeah. I just think the, the bubble's going to burst, and I think the answer is going to be, you're never going to get dental schools to drop their fees. Never. That's like, mm-hmm. never, it's never going to happen. The only way is like this, like, like the lawyers do where you circumnavigate the schools, some kind of apprenticeship that's state sponsored or state approved. And you get a couple states championing that and all the other states kind of follow. Then all of a sudden you can be a dentist. There's a couple different ways to be a dentist and it gives people. Do you have, um, expanded capability um dental assistance i do so i mentioned you in the pre-chat i don't employ hygienists i do all the cleanings myself but i do employ expanded function dental assistants we call them eftas and they place fillings for me so i got one i only have one that works for me and she's fantastic she does an amazing job and trust her uh complicitly with anything that she needs to do but she does take like she takes my final impressions for crowns. Yes. She fills, fill, so I cut the fillings and she fills them, and then I take a quick look at them before we dismiss the patient. And uh, she can adjust occlusion. She can make temporaries. She can do a lot of things that dental assistants can do, but has a couple extra expanded functions that make it very, very appealing. Uh, they allow me to work on other things. It just allows me right. to do more, do more production. We don't have that here, but I yeah. think that that's not allowed, huh? That- yeah, I think you're going to see more. It needs to be more of that, and and less new dentists. You know. Well, have you heard of? Do you know? Have you heard of mid-level dentistry? No. So Alaska's legalized this. So it's somewhere between a hygienist and a dentist, and it's called a mid-level dentist. And this should scare everybody. So it's like, I think if you're a hygienist, you take like a nine-month course, or I think total, it's like a two and a half year thing. And you become a mid-level dentist. And it's designed to help places where there are no dentists, but there's like a town of like 1,500, right? Somewhere in Alaska, right? So Alaska's kind of champion this. And these people can cut fillings. They cannot extract teeth, I'm pretty sure. But they can, they can do normal fillings. They can clean teeth. Um, they can diagnose to a certain extent. And there's some more surgical type procedures that they can't, they can't do root canals. They can't do extractions, but they can do more than a hygienist can do by themselves without the supervision of a dentist. And a lot of other states are looking at that. I know Washington state's one of them and they're like, Hey, this is, um, 
this is a good idea and it's working out in Alaska, we should do that this here as well. And it's cheap. It's not these people. Are there underserved areas in Washington? Yeah. I think every state has some underserved. I mean, yeah, there's definitely small towns where dentists don't want to live in a small podunk town. They want to live close to an airport. They want to live close to a metropolitan area. A lot of them, very few, unless they're like from a small town, they want to go back to their own small town. It's a a hard sell. Um, Especially if there's already, yeah. yeah. So it's, it can be really difficult, but this mid-level dentistry thing, it's, um, it's a silent, it's silently creeping into the legislatures of, of a few states. And I think California is looking into it as well. And that would be a big deal if California goes through or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. So obviously, and dentists are like, no, but hygienists are like, yes, because <laughs> exactly because then it, then they don't need a dentist anymore to do their, I mean, it's like, then, yeah. So it, it's some crazy stuff that's, uh, happening in the future i think it's gonna be interesting to see how some of this stuff unfolds but um hey we're gonna oh did we do a secret we did not do a secret word we need to do a secret word oh my gosh i almost forgot okay for those uninitiated we are doing a secret word if you email the secret word to drilledpodcast at gmail.com you will get five hundred dollars of free dentistry at my office in canvas washington and we are going to allow dr becker the privilege of choosing the secret word, you've had all episode to think of this. Uh, <laughs> I got it. You got it. What, what's what's our secret word this time? The secret word is hot tub. Hot tub. Hot tub. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So email the word uh, the words hot tub to uh, drilledpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can use this yourself or we allow you to gift this to somebody else. So if you... Oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah. So if you... Um, want to get this and say, use it for a loved one or maybe a not so loved one, depending on <laughs> what's needed, uh, then you can do that. So please email that to drilledpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Dr. Becker, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been so much fun. It's good. So much fun. Up. It's good to catch up with you again. Maybe we'll see each other at DIA. Um, yeah. You uh, guys, you guys are going to come to New York soon, right? With the I, wives? I definitely, yeah, I definitely want. I, I mean, I not definitely. I don't know. We don't have nothing's planned yet, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I definitely would love to go. I've never been to New York City, and my wife's been. You like, have to come. My wife's been like four times, and she always goes with girlfriends, and leaves me at home, and then I see pictures, and I'm like, I kind of, I kind of want to go. That sounds cool. Yeah, do it. Um, I should. Okay, stay on the line here. We're we're gonna end. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, come back next week. We're gonna have. Maybe another guest. Maybe not another guest. Maybe just me talking. Who knows? You have to. You have to stay tuned to figure out what's going to happen next week. We don't even know. Okay. Talk to you later.